This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Pride of London podcast, part of the fan-sided podcast network. Please welcome your hosts, Gabe Henderson and Travis Tyler. All right, welcome to another episode of the Pride of London podcast. Today I'm joined by Ola. Gabe is currently in London, where the internet is apparently pretty poor, so it's just going to be me and Ola today. We're going to look over this past week of matches with the draw against Zenit and also the almost draw, but last second win against Leeds. So, Ola, go ahead and... Give us your thoughts on those matches. Yeah, the 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 Zenit, the Zenit game was was one that you know we were very open in the midfield, and you could tell because of the way with how many times Zenit was able to distribute the ball to their to our flanks and just you know create goal scoring opportunities from there. Kepa saved us. I mean, Kepa was really the reason we didn't lose 5-2 or 5-1, you know. That just that just puts into perspective the kind of game Kepa had to have against Zenit. Uh, we played um, Saul at left wing back. We played Hudson Odoi at right wing back. We played Rhys Jameson at central midfield. And we also played Barkley. And we started with... Um, we started with... Werner up top, along with, along with, I think it was Mount and I forget who, who else. But we started with Malangsa at, at left, at left centre back. We started with Christensen at centre back and and um, Aspiriqueta, I think it was, at right centre back. And you know, with Kepa and Go. So as the game played out, Regimes had a, a good game at central midfield, but you know, he, it, it looked like he was doing nothing there because when you play against a team that played what Zenit played, which was I think they played a four-one, four-one, and they effectively had three men. They they effectively had a three-man midfield, and then we were supposed to have a two-man midfield, but Barkley was you know more or less playing as an attacking midfielder for. A lot of the game. Uh, we took the lead about less than two minutes in with a very good Barkley corner that Werner put away. And, you know, at that point, it was looking like this is going to be a no contest. This this could get very embarrassing for Zenit. And just there, it, it, it started to fall apart. Barkley more or less disappeared from the game. He wasn't present at central midfield, which would always be a problem because when a lot of our play goes through our central midfielders in this system. That's why Kovacic and Nkanti and Jorginho are, are as important as they are. Because when, you know, when when we want to recycle possession, when we are trying to break presses, it all goes through our central midfield players. So when Barkley is when Barkley is as far forward as he was for most of the game, he did create four four chances. But the problem was that he wasn't occupying the role he was supposed to occupy, and that caused problems for for Chelsea. We considered the last minute where a 93rd minute equalizer, which has the morons on you know Twitter going with the men who would have saved that 
moon all over again, which, as far as I'm concerned, makes no sense because Mendy shouldn't even be in that conversation. You know, Kepa made, I think Kepa saved at least two big chances because at some point, Malangsa was the last man back and it was just it was just a mess. And while it's easy to blame the the centre backs in situations where we are considering lots of goals, it was clear that when there's no work rate from the from the central midfielders, James can do everything. James can do all the pressing and all the passing, and you know. So it was it was quite it was quite horrible, really. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I wasn't able to watch that one, but. Obviously, we're in a place right now where we're kind of having to patch together a midfield with, you know, N'Golo Conte's kind of injured. Georgino is needing to be managed really carefully. Uh, Kovacic is currently out on, you know, COVID protocols. And, you know, we're just kind of slapping all this together and hoping it works. But um, we did end up finishing second in that group as a result of the draw. And, we don't really have a whole lot of teams we could potentially draw tomorrow. And probably by the time this podcast is out, it'll already be revealed who we could draw, but we could draw a uh, little Byron Real Madrid or Ajax. Is there any, obviously there's ones we would prefer there, but are there any that you would really stand out and make a statement on here? Yeah. About the, about the draw and, and, and finishing second, I think, I I maintain that it doesn't really matter when you get to the group stages. It really doesn't matter. Yes, I get the your chances of getting X team and Y team. And, I mean, in the Champions League last season, we didn't want Atletico Madrid because we thought it would be this extremely defensive, well put together unit, which they were, and we still got through that. I I think the I, I suspect what is getting people paranoid about finishing second in the group is, oh, we could get Bayern. Yeah, we could. We could also get, you know, one of one of the teams that that finished that finished first in their group, but is not really that that strong. So I'm personally not bothered. And I also think by the time, not only by the time the draw is moved, but by the time we are playing the the round of 16 matches, we would the team will probably be in better shape because we'll be playing them in, in February or thereabouts. So the team will probably be in better shape. I think uh, the the I, I I to me the the Zenith game was more or less insignificant because while first place was at stake, you played group stages to get out of the group stages, and we did. And it was clear Tuku also saw it that way because he did all the experiments he wanted to do in a game that would not, you know, have grave consequences if they if they failed. And I think he was asked before the Leeds game if he was going to persist to James at central midfield. And he said something along the lines of there's no need to experiment. James will play at right wing back. Because, you know, he he also recognizes that he can't afford to start bringing in fresh ideas now in in games that of, you know, high 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 weight like the like the Leeds game. But personally, I don't. There's nobody I would particularly want because I'm I'm looking at the squad now, not looking at the squad as what it to be like in February because I don't know what it to be like in February. But I'm looking at the squad now and I'm thinking there's no one that would particularly be scared of playing us. 
And I don't think there's anyone who will particularly be scared of playing either. We, would, we wouldn't want to face Bayern, but I also wouldn't want to face PSG either. So if we had finished first and we had come up against PSG, that would still have been a problem. So I, I think we should just trust Tuchel in, in the round of 16 because the team would likely be in a better shape by then. And if we get Bayern, we get Bayern. We would have to meet them at some point anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm of the same mindset that first and second in the Champions League doesn't really matter as much as it used to. I mean, we don't have a whole lot of teams we could potentially draw, but if we had finished first, we are looking at, you know, PSG, Atletico, Sporting, Inter, Benfica, Villarreal, and Salzburg. So there's more teams it could have been. But at the same time, you know, the quality is kind of split the same way. You know, you have almost half of the teams you could potentially face are kind of tricky. But, you know, last year we finished first in our group and got Atletico Madrid. So, you know, it, exactly. it doesn't really matter that much overall, I'd say. But, um, yeah, so Leeds, the Leeds game was nearly a disaster, very nearly a disaster. Uh we are still kind of patched together a little bit. Uh, we looked okay in stretches, but overall, I'd honestly say Leeds kind of had the had the go of the game. And if it weren't for the ref being a little favorable on some calls, maybe we wouldn't have come out as winners. So what are your thoughts on the Leeds game? Yeah, I mean, the Leeds game was um... – I personally didn't watch the first 30 minutes. I was on the road, and then I got home and saw, oh, we've considered fantastic, lovely. But, you know, I, when, when, I've, not, when I've not watched the game, I, I, I like to use super like score ratings. I like to use match ratings at the time to gauge, you know, how the performances have been. But I later watched the penalty incident, which many people claimed was brainless. Uh, by Alonso, and I, I think when we start getting irritated at players for conceding penalties, it just shows that we are just looking for something to get angry about because it comes to the territory. You make a, a tackle in the box, it's either it's either a foul, it's not a foul. You know, it's there's not really much you can do, but you you can't not make the tackle. It's it's worse than not making the tackle because there will still be the same amount of backlash if you don't make the tackle and 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 the ball is caught. But I watched the penalty incident, and as far as I'm concerned, it was not... Of course, it wasn't brainless, because Alonso wouldn't, shouldn't not try to tackle Rafinha in that situation. And it was a, I think it was a clear foul. But as I suspected, I, I think many people... Many people blow Alonso's misdeeds and, and errors and... Um, bad games out of proportion. I think it's I think he's it's one of these those situations where because people don't want him in the lineup anyway, they are always watching him and anything he does is why why is this guy here? Why is this guy doing this thing? I the the Leeds game was was a weird one because you know Rudigan won two penalties and when your center back wins you two penalties that instantly shows you that you know this this there's a there's a problem there's a problem because we consider two goals we consider two goals and and then our center back goes up and wins two penalties so 
how many times can you bank on that happening? Never. You know, so that's that shows me that if one were considering the goals we're considering and we're not keeping clean sheets, then I can only give limited praise for my center back winning, you know, two penalties upfield. I think he's occupying the wrong box. But I would I, I'm not I'm not sitting here complaining about the win, but I'm just saying we we were built on our Champions League run and our you know the reason why we're we're title contenders now is because we won the Champions League last season. And that run was predicated on us being defensively solid and being able to get enough goals to win because we didn't, you know, worry about considering that much. But when we are considering as much as we are considering and we are not getting uh, a reliable amount of goals or attacking output from the from the front line, then it's definitely a cause for concern. I think the the midfield was uh, a little bit better than Zenit, but then again, it it's the only way the only way from Zenit was up really because the Zenit one was was quite bad. I thought James had a good performance. I thought while well, also probably had a bad first 30 minutes. I mean, who didn't? We were falling into all kinds of pressing traps against Leeds, which is Leeds, so that will happen. Alonso was key to the first goal and the equalizer. And I think the second goal, too, where, where Rudiger was fouled, a very clear foul that wasn't given initially. But yeah, I, I think it's the 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 reaction after the Leeds game was a lot of people not knowing where to look to blame. And we know this, which the Chelsea fan base always needs a scapegoat. They always need someone to blame. And who else than, you know? I mean, Alonso played. But I I thought Kai Havas was poor. I saw p- people praise him for pressing and trying to make things happen, which was weird because, you know, Werner has, has always been, been held to the goals and assist standard. And I feel... Kai Havertz at the point in his career where he should also be held to the same standards. I guess he's 21 and, you know, he has all these talents that we would eventually see and we should be patient with. And I completely agree. I'm not suggesting he should be sold. I'm just saying we should call a spade a spade. And as far as I'm concerned, Havertz hasn't been good enough. Uh, Mount was, you know, very good as usual. But other than the goal, he didn't really seem to do that much else. But a goal is enough, really, to to contribute in a game. I guess Vena wasn't Vena wasn't very good. Jorginho was was solid, considering the fact that he he played through pain and his composure to win the battle of wheels against against Leeds goalkeeper twice was quite impressive. I I want to quickly touch on. Uh, I saw a lot of mentality weak mentality shouts after the game. And I feel that's just a cheap shot because last season we also had this mentality talk and the lack the lack of quote-unquote leadership. And then we went on to win the Champions League and everyone was talking about all the leaders we have. And now suddenly we don't have leaders again because we don't have a central midfield to play against, you know, teams that are not going to just sit back and watch us try to kick the ball around. So I think... Articul has mentioned pointing in the pointing fingers at, at players for 
this um this problems we are having is a bit unfair because you don't concede three goals or you don't concede several times in in several consecutive games if the whole team is not is not you know having a nightmare structurally so i think that was yeah those are my thoughts on the Leeds game yeah i mean there's a whole lot going into this one right so we beat Leicester 3-0 we beat Juventus 4-0 and that was the game Chilwell got hurt the yeah. five games since then has been our draw against United our barely win against Watford our loss to West Ham our draw was in it and our barely win against Leeds uh, we haven't kept a clean sheet since Juventus and yeah. you know just this week we've conceded nine goals from West Ham to Zenit to Leeds scoring eight like I understand the whole win is a win thing, but we're very clearly at a point where something's going wrong that we need to fix. And yeah, we've had a lot of injuries, but if this continues, that's not going to matter. No, you know, Marina's never cared how many injuries we've had. Um, So, yeah, so there's a whole lot of that going into it, but just talking about the Leeds game specifically, I mean, I don't think Alonzo himself is the only one to blame here when our, our side center backs are basically acting like they're midfielders now. And exactly, you know, I, I lost count of the number of times where it was pretty much just Silva at the back dealing with counters and everything else. And, you know, Alonzo's penalty kind of came from that, that same idea. But at the same time, Rudiger's up there getting us penalties so obviously there's some merit to you know what they're doing, but it's almost like we've kind of done a full circle where you know when Lampard left, we we're just getting blasted on every counter, uh, getting destroyed on every counter because we didn't have you know two good center backs that could work together. And when Tuchel came in, he added a third one, and all of a sudden we were counterproof. But now we've almost gone the other way where when these center backs are pushing up. Now Silva's left all alone, and we're getting blasted on counters again. So mm. I, I think that's one concern. And you know, I'm absolutely with you on the Kai Havertz stuff. Uh, all these, all this talk of fluidity when Lukaku's not playing. I don't see. I don't see. Yeah, I, I don't see it either because the, you know Kai's not scoring. You know Kai's not assisting. He's there. He's moving, but he's not doing anything that actually changes our attack. You know, this isn't a game where we can talk about how fluid our attack was when Jorginho needed two penalties and, you know, Mount had to get his goal in order to get us the win. Like, this is not the game for this talk. I mean, like I said, I didn't watch the Zenit game, but I don't understand why Lukaku didn't play if he was able to score. Um, yeah, that, that, that one by football, too. It. It really felt like we just had no or very little control over most of this match. And we just made so many weird decisions. Like both the wingbacks were cutting in constantly. You know, James was basically a center mid for a lot of the time. And Alonzo wasn't too far off. And I just don't understand what our strategy was against Leeds. Were we just trying to, like, pack the center and – hope the width took care of itself. I, I don't understand what our plan was. Um, one of the subs confused me too, but uh, we'll talk about that with the listener questions. Uh, I think you already kind of 
started answering one of them. Yeah, you did. Uh, Brown Eyes asked, uh, what's with Tugel and late changes these days? It's all too familiar. We see us losing control of games. Yet he waits till it's too late to make subs. So what, what are your thoughts on the subs before I give mine? I think Tukul is conscious of, of number one, the fact that, you know, we have a lot of injuries. And December is also a time that injuries are more likely to happen. So he's conscious of the fact that uh, he can't just make changes because he feels, yeah, we're losing or we're drawing or we have no control over the game. I, I go back to the sports game where he took off Mount at halftime. You know, it wasn't a sub that many expected him to make, but it was a sub that turned out to be quite effective because that was more or less what the game needed. I think Tukul is conscious of making subs that are effective, not just subs for the sake of it. And I understand that because when you have only three subs, you can't afford to, you know, be solving problems that aren't there. So you can't afford to say, oh, I'm going to take off this guy when he's not the problem that, you know, we're having. And I think I think that's that's part of it. I think the other part of it is he he's conscious of the fact that the squad is more or less has a thin squad now because we had all this depth before, but now even even those guys are, are injured. So he's conscious of the fact that if he absolutely doesn't need to take off someone, he doesn't. But I understand the discomfort fans have with the late changes because if you are going to make a change and you are going to tell a player, oh, I expect you to change the game, you want to give them fairly enough time, right? You don't want to bring on a player six minutes to go and say, right, now, help us, you know? So I understand that. But I think generally the, the substitution thing is just, you know, and often managers have to, either conscious, consciously or subconsciously keep one sub in case there's an injury so that, you know, there's no, there's no, a team doesn't have to play with 10 men. And when, let's also consider the options we have on the bench. You know, we have a lot of attack, attacking options off the bench, but how many of them would be effective in this kind of game? For the defensive substitutions, for instance, of all the defensive options we had on the bench, really. How early could he have made the the Aspi, the Christensen for Aspi sub? And if he didn't make, if he didn't bring on Christensen, who would they have brought on? So I think it's just to cool giving players some some time to to gather themselves and acclimatize. And I know many, many players love, many fans rather love the halftime substitution because you know it shows the manager is proactive, but he can't always do that. That's not it's not realistic to expect your, your manager to change to make it up at halftime every time the game is not going our way. So I think that's just a bit of him. I, I've not really looked at any game and felt, oh, this change should have been made at this time to make this happen and to make that happen. I think it's just, you know, people wanting the manager to react. And I think reaction for reaction's sake is not always a good idea. So I, I think one part of it is there are very few managers and very few moments where subs actually change games the way people in their mind think they do. 
you know, we, we remember like these big moments where the sub comes on and scores. We don't remember these moments where the sub comes on and it's just there, which is yeah. probably like 95% of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had to look up who the subs were because I couldn't remember who they were. Cause they just didn't, they didn't really do anything for the game. Um, I completely agree with the whole notion of kind of saving them just in case we have injuries because we've been having a lot of them, so you never really know. Uh, I think the only way I can really fault Tupel on subs is they're almost always like-for-like changes. Like, they're always very conservative substitutions that they're not really there to – make the game change a whole lot. And the only time he does something different is when it's later on in the game and we'll go to like four at the back or something, uh, which is what happened kind of with Leeds debatably. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think one of the issues against Leeds was we didn't really have control of the game. We knew we needed more attacking momentum and we were just making defensive subs like, you know, Christensen coming on for Osbury Coita. I was really quite a good figure finish that game just fine. You know, I think maybe we probably could have done with a better, like Lukaku coming on earlier could have helped. But ultimately we got the result we needed, but that would be my overall thoughts on the subs. Uh, Travis Flock of the Pride of London, he's asking if the recent downturn in performances is to blame on the injuries or if the three, four, 2-1 has been found out a little bit, just like Conte's was found out a little bit. And, yes, I'm, I'm 100% saying that it's been found out. Yeah. I, I thought that last week with West Ham because West Ham just used everything about how our formation works against us. Um, against Leeds, the whole idea of our wide center backs pushing forward and support, that was used against us. Um, I, I think it's past time to try – something else you know if Rudiger is going to be this player that just wants to bomb forward now make him the left back just make him the left back um you know Ben Chilwell's out injured there's nothing we can lose by putting Rudiger there he does it for Germany he just doesn't get forward as much I don't, I don't think it would change all that much about our formation honestly if we went for the back and maybe maybe when there's a center back pair they convince themselves to stay back there so it's not just Silva hanging out alone. It's Silva and a friend. So, yeah. But also, we can't ignore how many injuries we have. We can't ignore that, you know, Conte's been out. Georgino's been out. Kovacic's been out. Basically, our midfield pivot has been gone. And, you know, Ben Chilwell's influence is much different than Alonzo's influence. You know, I think Alonzo's a fine player but he's much different than Chilwell. He's not going to be able to do the things Chilwell does. So Yeah, exactly. It, it's just a bunch of little things. If it were me, I'd be playing for 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 against Everton, Rudiger at the left back, or maybe even Osby at left back, and Hudson Odoi or Timo Werner on the wing in front of him. But what, what are you thinking about this issue? I think this about about us being found out. I remember I, I had a, a kind of argument with someone at the beginning of the season and I said, We're not going to be as defensively solid as last season. 
because teams and managers are not sleeping. You know, you can't you can't say you can't say we, no one can penetrate us, and then that just goes on forever. No team ever remained as defensively tight for that long because managers are paid to figure to figure out your game, and you don't do it in the first ten weeks. Give them a few more weeks, and they're going to figure it out. I think there's an element of that. I don't think, for instance, that if we've had who a a, an, a, a Rudiger, Silva, Chaloba backline, and then a, a, a Kante Kovacic or a Kante Jorginho midfield throughout the season, that would have would have you know been this considering zero point two mxga per game and not considering any goals. I don't think so. I think. But I think what also what it also means is every formation can be found out, and there's a weak there's a, there are things that make every formation work, and when you take away those things, the formation would look like just every normal formation that when we went three at the back many many people thought you know we are just keeping clean sheets because we went three at the back we play seven seven defenders you know we 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 just sit back and and counter and you know. Of course, that was not the case, but it was easy to think that way because you know we 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 went to three at the back and suddenly we were keeping clean sheets. It was difficult to break us down. I think the role of the central midfield in our defending three at the back is only just coming to you know people are only just beginning to appreciate the central midfield because I will go to the Leeds game, not the the Zenith game, for instance. Barkley made seven pressures. At central midfield, when you make seven pressures at central midfield, it means you are not pressing much. And when you are not pressing much at central midfield, it means the team can easily play through you. Jorginho and Kovacic are, are mad pressers of the ball. Kante the same. In fact, Kante is, is is our best presser in the team. You know, especially from 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 in, in the midfield. So when the central midfielders do that much work of the ball. And are very good at distribution. It means that they can break presses, they can they can they can press. So on on in both areas of pressing, they are very good. We don't have you know a bunch of world class centre backs. We never did, right? Thiago Silva is world class, but that's about it. We don't have a bunch of world class centre backs. When Tuku came in and changed the system, we had to have known that there was something that made that system work. We have to have known that there was a reason those centre backs were no longer as consistent as much as they were, and I saw you know a lot of Rudiger shouts, and I agree with you completely. I think a lot of times Rudiger is adventurous, and we love it because we're here for for the excitement, you know. I think just Abhishek called him a a, a midfender, you know. So he 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 runs forward. He has this customary dribble upfield and then the shot and we all love it you know and we all think he's going to score it one day but at the end of the day he's a center back and when your most memorable moments in the game are you winning penalties in the box in a game where your defense considered two goals it means that you're either not doing your job or you're doing the wrong job now i want him to keep considering to keep winning penalties you know i, I I'm, I'm down for that because we need penalties if we need penalties to win Again, if we win the league on, on, on penalties, I'm going to absolutely love it. I'm shameless. But at the same time, let's not pretend that, you know, that Rudiger is this 
Virgil van Dijk. That I mean, I've seen people say he's doing so much work because Alonso plays and he has to cover for Alonso. I don't know if anybody saw him covering for Alonso because I didn't. But I saw Alonso covering for him a lot of the time. I think injuries have a lot to do with how the teams have how teams have found it very easy to to play against us. But at the same time, I also don't think when every player is fit and firing again that we will not get found out. I mean, against Brentford, we didn't have all these injuries. And Brentford came at us relentlessly. And they all kept coming at us. Aston Villa did the same thing. They pressed us, pressed us hard. And, you know, while it was Saud that played in central midfield that day, we, we had problems. So I think it is a little bit of both. I know that's the... the, the 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 that's that's the boring answer, but it is a little bit of both. Yes, injuries have affected the way we play. I don't expect us to play the same way with Alonso in the side and with Chewell in the side. That's unrealistic. Uh, we we don't attack the same way when Ziyech plays or when Mount plays or when Atsenador plays or when Lukaku plays. So why should we expect because Alonso is a good left wing back and Chewell is a good left wing back, he should bring the same thing. And I remember that Chiwa was often running down the central forward row when when in when we played against Juventus and, and, and Leicester. So Chiwa has not really been the defensive rock, you know, that many people have thought he was. I don't think like I've seen, I don't think um Alonso is the reason Chelsea is <laughs> is considering so many goals. Many people like to believe that, but then they ignore the Zenit game where Alonso didn't play, and we still consider three anyway. And they ignore the West Ham game where Alonso was taking off for for Tenodoy and Tenodoy had to mark Mikel Antonio. And that for me is what defending is about most of the time, being in that position. And Tenodoy was in that position, but you know he wasn't effective there. And sometimes that can happen. You can be in position to defend and things will still go against you. I think Rudiger, I, I wouldn't say Rudiger should run forward less because I think his adventurousness is part of why the system works the way it works. But that adventurousness requires some cover. Uh, I, Liverpool have, they have central midfielders who are ready to slot in at fullbacks at every point in the game. When Alexander Arnold runs forward, when Robertson runs forward, Henderson enters those places, um, Thiago enters those places, Keita enters those places, Fabinho enters those places, and that is why their system works as good as it does. You wouldn't see Liverpool fans saying, you know, Henderson is covering for Alexander Arnold, and, you know. So I think we just hold our players to extremely high standards and not high standards in a good way, just <laughs> standards that don't really, that are not really sustainable. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's a little bit of both, really. Yeah, I'll, I'll just add one final thought on that. You know, like you, like you were talking about, no, no tactic works forever. You know, the, the best managers in the game, like Alex Ferguson, he was constantly changing what he was doing you know, almost year to year. And, you know, we went to three at the back because it helped us stop conceding so many goals and we could trust somebody to score. Well, yeah. you know, if it's not stopping us from conceding goals anymore, it's kind of outlived its usefulness. You know, maybe four at the back, we were scoring a ton, but we were conceding a ton. So 
you know, maybe there's no easy solution here, but I think doing what we've been doing is kind of running in scores. Um, and well, the last, well, sorry, how yeah, do you think ahead. we would do if we decide to go for at the back? Because I mean, we've seen this center back, we've seen Andreas Christensen, we've seen we've seen Rudiger, you know, do his attacking midfield role, you know, consistently. We know we know Thiago Silva can play in any defensive setup he puts in. But there have to be there has to be some things because against Leeds, for instance, I saw a lot of the times Thiago Silva was on the back foot, which is not often that that happens. But he's he's thirty seven, so you can't really expect him to be ahead of the game a lot. There will be times when, like I said, when he arrived, there will be times when you do need to run, and you can't always you know be ahead of the game because you are that much smarter. There will be times that just pace is is what is required, and you know he doesn't have much of that. So I think. Could we potentially be worse if we play four at the back? Maybe, maybe not. But I just feel that four at the back will not be the solution because of you know the personnel we have on, on board. If if Chaloba was fit, maybe. But as it stands, I think you know the more defenders we have trying to do the work, <laughs> trying to do the work, the better. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no real easy solution here. But that kind of gets us into our last listener question, which I can't say on here without getting us a explicit tag, but basically just what is going on right now with Chelsea? Um, yeah. What is going on? Yeah. I, I saw the question and <laughs> I, I, I put questions like that in, in either halftime or full-time thoughts, because sometimes you just think, what did I just watch? I think, I think the person was trying to, was trying to ask us, what was it we just watched? I, I think, yeah, I, it's, I wouldn't, I, I don't want to be tagged um, whining about injuries, but I think it is, when you have, last season it was Liverpool having so many injuries at centre-back, us is having so many injuries at central midfield, and our system, I think our system is more dependent on, on central midfielders than Liverpool system was on centre-backs. I suspect that's why Liverpool was still able to get results they got and still able to come third anyway, because their structure is such that they leave only the 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 last of the work to the centre backs. Only what no other person has handled comes to the centre backs. So when you have that kind of structure in place, you can put other centre backs in there, and as long as the rest of the team is still working, you can still get results. For Chelsea. It is we had we, we had Jorginho, either Jorginho and Kante or Jorginho and Kovacic, which I think every midfield combination will put Jorginho has to be in it because he's the only one that sits. Kovacic doesn't sit. He dribbles, he moves forward, he breaks the press. Kante doesn't sit. You know, Loftusik doesn't sit. Jorginho is the only one that sits, and his central midfield partner, either him or his central midfield partner, has to account for. Rudiger being an attacking midfielder sometimes, being a central midfielder sometimes, being a last man sometimes, and all that, you know, when that person is taken away and the person that is that is put in there doesn't quite do the same job, it, be, it, be, it becomes clear that. Because, like someone mentioned, Rudiger has been doing this since, since Tuko changed the system. Rudiger didn't just start bombing forward and, you know, playing around the midfield and running forward a lot. He didn't just start doing that. 
But the reason why we are seeing the effects now is, contrary to popular belief, it's not because of the person on, at, at left wing back, it's because of the person at central midfield. When there's there's a lot of responsibility, and I think Tuko mentioned it, there's a lot of responsibility on our central midfielders. And I'm not saying when Kovacic comes back, all this will change, no. But there's a lot of responsibility on our central midfielders. And when the, the, the replacements are not quite up to the level of those who are there, I mean, Kovacic still leads the team in assists, if I'm not mistaken. He was he was on fire at the beginning of the season where he was, you know, with his passing, his distribution, assists, playing the ball forward, playing that quick one-touch ball behind the defensive line when, you know, our player is running behind. So Kovacic was key to a lot of things. Jorginho was doing the, the other things. Kante was doing his thing. And now all those players are injured. Even Jorginho is injured, but the reason why we're not, we, can, we don't have the luxury of, of, of keeping Jorginho out of the side is because we're going to see Barkley and 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 who else and Loftus-Cheek and regimes in midfield and these things cannot you know so I think it's the the injuries are affecting us but not in the ways we thought it would many people think the the Chihuahua injury is what is you know making us look this way but I don't think so not this is not to say that we are not affected at all by Chihuahua injury I think we are but I don't think his injury is affecting us as much as some think. I think when we don't have Kovacic doing a lot of what he was doing, because at some point Kovacic was leading us in pressures and tackles and interceptions, maybe not interceptions, but uh, passes into the final third, passes into the penalty area, progressive passes. Kovacic was doing a lot of that stuff. And our attack cannot function as well when they are not getting the service because the attack needs service too. Creators need service. You need to get the ball to the creators for them to create chances. And when you have Hotsonodoy and he's not getting the ball to to run at, at people and create chances, then you come out saying Hotsonodoy didn't do anything. He was ineffective. But Hotsonodoy can't run into midfield and win the ball and then go and create. So they have, we have to get the ball to the front line and the central midfield was was had a lot to do with that. And now it's just you know. I, I think when when Georgine, when Kovacic comes back, we would look better. But that's I think that's more hope than because if we don't look better, it means we're in trouble, isn't it? Yeah, I'm. Th- there's a whole lot of different things going on right now. We have all these injuries. That's obviously something we can't hide from. Uh, honestly, you know, some of these players just look you know dead on their feet. You know, very early on and. You know, Tugel's okay with rotating players. I think he rotates some a lot more than he rotates others. And the ones he hasn't been rotating a lot, they're the ones that are starting to look like they're running out of gas. Um, beyond that, you know, this happens every December. For whatever reason, we get to this place where we're feeling good about life, and then just one thing goes wrong, and it just feels like we can't get out of that rut. Um, yeah, I mean – this is the fifth game in a row where we haven't really played well. You know, we got the result this time, but, you know, if we go to Everton and struggle again, if we lose to Everton somehow, I mean, they can't even beat Crystal Palace. Like, at some point we need to start trying to figure out what's going on here instead of just saying, yeah, well, we're going to win. But okay. anyway, 
So we do have Everton coming up on Thursday, and then it should be Wolves on Sunday. So any thoughts on those two before we close out here? Thursday and Sunday, those are those, those games are quite close together. Uh, for the Everton game, I think I wouldn't say to um, too close to prioritize one. I think a lot of the injuries we have, like Kovacic, for instance, I think Kovacic comes back for the weekend, but not before. I agree with you that Everton are so bad, and it's it's just perfectly set up for for us to lose to Everton, isn't it? I mean, we we lost we lost to them last season. I think they even did the double over or something. No, they didn't do double over. But we lost to them last season. I think uh, for the Everton game, many many have said many have said we target. Yeah, I want to touch on. Many say we target uh, our left side is targeted because Alonso is com- clumsy and stupid and uh, not good and all of that. But sometimes when you actually look at it, other than when you look at it from a, a non-Alonso point of view, because not everything is about Alonso, shocker, I know. But when you look at it from other points of view, you realize that maybe Alonso is not the only reason our left side is targeted. Maybe teams have just figured out that. Alonso is not as fast as Chilwell. Shocker. That's, that's not difficult to figure out. And they've also figured out that Rüdiger, you know, doesn't like occupying his, his, his box or his area much. So they just feel, well, between those two, if this person puts himself in a very good position, that's one. Two, if if the opposition's best players play on the, on the right side or on your left side, the attack is going to come down there. So... I don't think it's as much managers going, yeah, you know what, let's attack down that side because Alonso, you know, I think the teams who attack down the side, they feel they'll get more joy and either because of the opposition that they are playing against or because of their own players. That said, I think against Everton, Chelsea should have enough to get by, mainly because of how poor Everton have been. And I know that's weird to say, but if we come under the kind of pressure we came under against Leeds and against Zenit, that would be extremely worrying. I'm not as worried as I should be now. <laughs> I say I should be because at some point it stops being injuries and um, a win is a win. I agree. At some point, there are real issues that are, that are, that, that are staring us in the face that we have to, that we have to take care of. And I don't think, and I think we have gotten to that point. I just feel, from what I've seen, I think it's. I I I, I would sound like to go when I say, it's it's in it's in it's in the little things, you know. It's in it's it, it's almost purely in Loftus-Cheek not being Kovacic. Uh, it's it's. I I think many of these things are fixable when we have the players we had before. But I also admit that we cannot base a system on this player has to be absolutely on top of his game and play this certain way for us to not look completely open. That's a problem. So I think we would do fine against Everton. Uh, as for Wolves on Sunday, they've been very difficult to break down. So I'm slightly worried about that. But we have a, a wide array of different profiles of attackers that, you know, we have the luxury of starting with Mount and say Harvard, and when we feel that's not working, we bring on Pulisic or bring on Ziet or bring on Tsunadoy. We have a, a 
we can we can experiment until something works out and if all else feels just bring on the edge to force the issue and make all those balls that will hit him for anyway. So I, I think we'll be fine against Everton, but the Wolves game worries me more because they look more solid than they, I mean they held largely held um, Liverpool and City to I think one goal each, which is a very difficult thing to do. So and those teams are, you know, have better attacks than, than Chelsea does. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I I really don't know what to expect from either of these games just because I don't really know what to expect from us at the moment. You know, at some point you would think we would wake up and look like we used to not all that long ago, but, you know, every passing game, it just seems like we're, we're struggling to get it together again. But, you know, if there's an opponent that we usually turn up pretty big against, it's Everton, you know, Conte's, Chelsea had big games against them. Uh, you know, Frank Lampard's had a really big game against them right before the lockdown came. Lockdown, and yeah. yeah, I mean, they've just kind of been there with Rafa this year. They haven't really been doing anything of note. So they're there for the taking if we're able to, you know, put together a team that's able to do anything about that. Um, Wolves is a little trickier just because they seem to kind of they go in and out of being really good and, you know, it, it's just really hard to know what to expect from them. But, you know, if we can get a little bit of rest this week and maybe make a little bit of adjustments in theory, we should be okay, but we'll just have to wait and see because this time of year is the time of year that weird things happen. So, But that's going to be all for us at the Pride of London podcast today. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, Be sure to uh, review us. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, Let us know how we're doing on Twitter. Read our articles. All that fun stuff. All right.